You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. What, 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 welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm glad that you are here. I'm up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm almost in Baltimore, Maryland. Was it buffering? What happened? No, I personally was buffering. What, 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 welcome. Over in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hey, hey, everybody. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, uh, uh, in the Motorcycle Lodge, the Harley Davidson of Sumter, we got Delmar Pete. Hey, y'all. In the Timothy Miller Disney Studios, we got Timothy Miller. Happy Victory Monday, world. Yeah. Andrew may join us. Not like how last episode when I said Tim might join us and he didn't. This episode, Andrew may join us. He legitimately might join us, but he's currently having a repairman in his house fixing something. And, Tim, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know you were a Rangers fan. Why are you saying Victory Monday? <laughs> oh, stop it. I forgot baseball even happened last night. Whatever, night. Watched dude. That game. Did you Did you really care about that? Come on. The baseball it, game? Yeah, I watched the whole thing, man. Because it's my wife so hard went to, to switch foot without me. That's why. Okay, that so, explains it. But yes, I was in Duval. Point. I celebrated the win there, and I'm celebrating Victory Monday today. Nice. Obviously, this is two weeks ago when you're hearing this. The so. Ravens won too. Yeah, in yeah. So you showed so our hand, guys. The Jags won two weeks before this episode. But let's dive into the first question. That's a current question right now. This is, I believe, it's from our Facebook. It could be from the other podcast, the other the other Facebook group that everyone is afraid of. But let's go. Uh, do you or do any of you have a policy of using your church building for funerals and weddings? Is there a difference between how you offer the building for a church member and a non-church member? Before this could get into the we should serve everyone kind of debate, I'm trying to craft a policy that gives expectations of what services can be provided. Sound, post-service meal, visitation hours, set up, etc. And when those can be provided based on who is available in our church. Uh, pre-makes it sounds like a, it's a real reasonable question. I think a lot of us uh, factor into, it, especially when you are a building that's probably, you know, very accessible into the community. Uh, what says you guys? I don't have a specific policy. This is actually a really good question that made me think. Ooh, I should do something with this. We use our building for uh, renters that are here every week, multiple times a week. So they have like a memorandum of agreement with us, and they pay an hourly f- rate. And then we also offer our building for birthday parties for kids and baby showers for people in our zip code for free. Uh, but they have a limited – they can only do it on certain Saturdays from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Um, as far as when we've done services and wed- or funerals and weddings in the building, since I've been here, yes, I obviously treat a church member much differently than a non-church member um, or even a regular attender. Like somebody who's part of our church family – I will be much more flexible with like opening up the calendar and seeing what works for them. Somebody who's a just a community member who doesn't have any connection to our church, they're going to get a much more limited uh, availability of the building. But as far as uh, meals, visitation hours and stuff, I've never experienced it where that was something that they needed provided by the church. Typically, people, when they've done funerals here, that's my main experience, they... They just want the space, and they want to know if they can do all that stuff themselves, which I typically have said yes to. Um, I haven't run into any issues with 
particularly weddings, uh, other than my rule is if you're going to have a wedding in our building, I have to do the premarital or I have to do the ceremony. And if I'm doing the ceremony, I have to do the premarital. And so there's been one couple that said no thanks. And then there's been another couple where we got into the premarital and they broke up. Um, so I haven't actually had that experience of, um, doing the wedding in our building for a community member, but I would do, well, I, I take that back. I have done one where they said they, I did the premarital and then they did the wedding in the, in our building. And so, um, but I don't have any rates or anything like that. Yeah. I think this is a great question. We do have a policy and procedure in place for these things, because if you've been to Lakeview, then you probably noticed it's a pretty sweet venue Dude, great uh, place to get married. Great place great, to get fantastic married. Place, I would know. You should know, Jeff. Of all the people on this podcast right now, Jeff should know that to be the case. So, um, you do need to be a member in order to get married at Lakeview Church. We do make exceptions to that if you are in ministry. So, we've had several ministry workers in the area get married at Lakeview uh, that we have made exceptions for. Also, family members of members can sometimes get the nod in. Uh, we just we have so many requests for our space as a wedding that we have to be pretty particular with this one. Uh, we've got it all broken down. And if whoever's whoever's asking this question, I'd, I'd be fine sharing a Dropbox link of exactly what our policy and procedure looks like Me. as far as the rental agreement, not just the fee, but what's included. That's why I like this question because that's a big one. So do I get the sound system. Do I have a sound person? Do I have to clean up after myself? So all of those things are included in the rental agreement and fee. Separate from the wedding side is we do rent out our space for community events from time to time, whether it's a HOA board meeting that wants to use the student center or a particular business owner in the church that says, hey, I'd love to have a, a team meeting at, at Lakeview. Is that okay? So we have a separate rental agreement for that as well. Typically for members, we're not charging for birthday parties. We, we have birthday parties at Lakeview all the time. If you're a Lakeview member, you're not going to get charged for that. Um, but for outside um, community peoples, we do have a rental agreement with fees and all those things. Good to have all that in writing because, you know, insurance comes into play and, and all those things too. Good question. I think uh, uh, one thing that you could do to mitigate your space if you're like, if you're a church that doesn't have a lot of the resources, like the manpower to host a lot of things, but you like have to occasionally do a wedding and stuff like that, is um, I know churches that uh, they'll have like a generic like rental agreement form, and on there will be like a the rental fee, and the rental fee is obnoxiously high, and that way it's like people who aren't like serious about like they just they they're just like. You know, I wanna. I, w I would love to use this building, but like, I don't want to put too much effort in it. When they see the high number, they're like, "What is this? I don't want to be a part of this anymore." And then, typically, if it's like a member or someone, they'll go to the pastor and be like, "Is it really seven thousand dollars to rent your church?" It's like, no. But since you're a member of our church and you really want to get married, we can actually talk about it. We just put this on, <laughs> we just put that number in there to kind of self-select people out who we kind of, you know don't want necessarily to be a, a rental hall, right? And then, um, I, I mean, uh, Tim, like, you know, yeah, birthday parties or baby showers, like, we tend to not, like, charge people at our church for that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, uh, with weddings, I think, I, we've talked about this before, I still think it's a very, in the world we're entering into, where, you know, uh, 
there 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 could be a place where there's people testing legal limits on churches to see if they would reject them to get married. I think there's wisdom in saying we have a policy that only members of our church, only members or regular attenders of our church can be a, can be married at our church. I think even the next step further to not just protect your uh, nonprofit status or like your church identity, but also like protecting the sacredity of marriage is do what Jeff said. It's like, I'm only going to allow weddings that we see the premarital um, counseling aspect of it. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Funerals, like, is an, is an interesting conversation because I would say maybe 75% of the funerals that we do at our church are not people from our church. They're, like, family members, like, parents or, or people connected to our, our church. But I've never had anyone ask for a funeral at our church that had no connection to our church. They just, like, thought our building was pretty. Um, but it's typically, like, it's, like, someone's grandfather or father who you know, maybe live in a nursing home and, but doesn't have a connection. Like, like, and I'll do those. Um, I, I think funerals like I are a better gospel opportunity than weddings are. You know, like, like you said, oh, people, 100%. people are shopping. Yeah. People are shopping yeah, for weddings. They go to all the venues, they get, they get the magazines, they get the reviews or whatever, but you plan a wedding for years. You know, people have been planning their wedding since they were 12 or 13 years old. And then your mom dies and you have, you know, four or five days to put this whole thing together. I think, again, as a society, we've shifted. And so it, it used to be you've got three days, period, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. But for a church to step up and say, hey, we're going to we're gonna do this for you, especially if a church has some kind of a hospitality team that says, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to serve this family lunch. And even if we have to charge a little bit or whatever it might be, we are taking this huge burden off this family's plate during this very traumatic time, there's a better gospel opportunity in that than dealing with Bridezilla. And you're probably not going to get sued over a funeral the way that you might get sued over a wedding. No one's, no one is trying to bait a church with a funeral. Yeah. I'm, we're pretty cautious about weddings in church for that similar reason. I don't know about y'all. I mean, as a wedding videographer, Maybe one fifth of my weddings this past year have actually been in churches like that. It's it's a lot of it's moving to venues now. Anyways, people would rather just spend the money and not even do it. So that's actually kind of a, a good thing for for us in our context. Hey, funerals. I was I was thinking about that because I would say of the weddings I'm officiating, I think one of them was in a church. Yeah. And here's what I'm thinking. I think my church, I think my, like, all three campuses at my church are like traditional churchy looking churches. But I think as churches are moving more into these like boring rectangle dark buildings that they don't have much like character as a church and more being just like a, an auditorium for a communication or, or a concert experience, like it doesn't look good for a wedding. And so like as churches are drifting away from like traditional church architecture, People wanted to go into barns and go into wherever a field or whatever other venue because add, it's way more interesting a, and beautiful. A beach. Add a add a liquor license and then it really makes sense because <laughs> yeah, just about every sure. you know it doesn't matter how pretty your church is if you can't have a champagne toast some people don't want to get married there. I'll tell you yeah. though one thing I've noticed the quickest ending weddings always have majority Baptist attenders just something I've noticed. Yeah, because they're not dancing. Catholic weddings go to like midnight, bro. Not even joking. 
But yeah, um, funerals. I, there's a lot more grace in that. I tend to 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 side with what you've already stated. That's a great opportunity for the gospel. I mean, we've even there's people in this community. Even recently, a guy was passing away. He didn't have a church family. His his children are older than me. They didn't have a church family. I just willingly went up there. I was like, hey, I'm a family pastor. You're in a family in crisis. Could you use a pastor? I don't want to say we're like recruiting funerals, but like. It's it's in the sense of like man, let's go. That's where the hurt is. That's where the suffering. That's where those end of life questions are. That's, if you ever need a pastoral opportunity to land in your lap, it's a funeral. I can't stress this enough. If if you're in wanting to get in this conversation, I appreciate what you said. It's like I'm not trying to not host people, but I would connect with other churches that have physical policies that you can read because it's not an issue. I mean, like I think there's some good, you know protection on yourself of like we don't want to overextend ourselves we don't want to like because there's things you're not thinking about like the wear and tear of your bathroom the wear and tear of your carpet the wear yep. and tear of your but like that stuff will happen and you won't know the extent or how much you should be charging to cover that until you actually do this for a while but i do think that having like good rental policies for your protection is is like the name of the game and there's probably a church much larger than yours in your community that actually has that. And if you were to call up their XP or some sort of administrator of that church, they will probably be like, oh, yeah, I'll send you over the PDF so you can kind of see what we use. And then after that, like, craft something and then show it to your church insurance company to be like, is this cool? There's also a good chance. I, I, actually, I don't know this. Maybe you guys know this better than I do. Your church insurance might have policies they would want you to include in these documents. So right. do your due diligence to talk to other churches. And do your due diligence to actually talk to your own insurance company because it's not it, – there is an aspect of this is like we want to budget correctly. We want to make sure we're charging the right amount but not too much. We want to make sure that we're caring for our physical space and the people we serve. But at the same time, like there's aspects of this that like are legal and this is where actual venues have been doing this forever and they're not worried about this. But you as a church can't, can't handle the burden of like a – you know – I don't know, someone tripping on your stairs when they go onto the stage and you ruined their wedding and you broke someone's leg. Like, that's, you don't want to go anywhere near that. You need to make sure that you are, are covered in all that. So, with that being said, uh, I, wanna, I want to um, uh, show you guys this clip before we go into the next uh, question. And again, uh, this is a new thing I'm trying to do. It's a clip I found on Instagram. I just want, after we watch this, I want your honest feedback of just like your response to this this clip. Here we go. Hi. 100% pure water representing your King James 1611 Bible preserved by God by divine providence in the universal language of the end time without error. Let this cup represent all other Bibles who even their creators and writers say is not perfect because they don't believe there is a perfect Bible. Let this right here represent corruption and error. I just got this water out of my toilet bowl before I flushed it. All right? So we'll just put a drop in there. Boom. Okay. Just a drop. It's still, what, 97 to 99% pure. Still smells like water. Still looks like water. Would quench your thirst. No major doctrines were affected. Here, have a drink. No? <laughs> I didn't think so. Ah. Oh, there really is a difference. Do you get it now? 
Oh, I get 100%, it. hundred percent he prays to the King James at night. I am convicted. Okay, my biggest question is why did he have one blue glove on? Because <laughs> he just scooped the water out of his toilet. Oh, maybe. All right. Yeah, that script. You know, funny thing enough, the water he flush. used, it didn't even sure come from the source. Had that, had that couch, um, <laughs> the painting behind him, the, the, I think it was a, a bird of some sort. I've seen that in a relative's I house I mean, as, as far well. as consistency, this video was 10 out of 10. He's checked all the boxes. <laughs> Every single box, bro. Bro, but tell me you haven't heard the illustration like in youth group when it's like. You Put know, some sin in the bottle? It's yeah, sin. You're gonna play it's brownies. sin. That's what he. There's a, li- yes. a little bit of poop in it. Are you gonna eat the brownies? Didn't think so. <laughs> like, like he, he gave us he gave us nothing really it. to stand on to help validate his argument. I, I'm but just, do you get it now, Tim? You get it though. I mean, I get it. I would. I'm not drinking your poop water. Like, guarantee this is a guy who want... also tells people, you know what? Just do your own research when other arguments come up. <laughs> Uh, he has a chart that says Textus Receptus right there on the front. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Let's see if the van is still out there. But don't say anything. <laughs> hey, Andrew, we're doing a podcast, buddy. <laughs> I, I thought I was on mute. Listen, I'm on oh. dad today. I've got three of my four kids at home, and our internet is out, so I'm hot spotting. And now I'm trying to keep my very yippy dog from going Your to the window to see spotted. that. The repairman is there. But I thought you were talking to the guy from the video at first. I was like, he's in the room with you right now? <laughs> in the Andrew, room. Do you get it now? Do oh, I get it. it. Do you get it, bro? I get it. The bolo tie. The bolo tie. Now, if this guy was <laughs> smart, bolo, he would make a t-shirt that says, do you get it now? And monetize Man. this thing. I'm just saying. You know he'd sell a lot. Because that's about as bad as, um, what's that one video? like $16.11 uh, or something. Yeah. Do you get it? Would you look do at that? Would it? you just look at it? And then when it comes look to you, at it, it comes with a little tiny, uh, a little tiny bottle of water. Mm. <laughs> it's so good. Yep. All right. So universal language of the end time. Like, is Without that, is that a common thing? I guess that, it's English. Is that like, That's, like KJV or Victorian English? English. English. Statement? Yeah. The, the Antichrist that, that is going to speak in Victorian that, English. He only, that book when he talks probably about, on the he talks about dirty money, he only ever says filthy lucre. <laughs> and I promise you, the bookshelf that that King James is on, there is every volume of Left Behind on it. You know oh, it's there for sure. Every bound with and a skull field and, and Left Behind kids and all the DVDs. And I, on, I only read the kids editions. They were so. I, I read the kids ones, man. All right, all right. Let's go into the next question before Andrew starts slandering this this poor man. All right. So, Frank, we're literally I was just doing talk what about you the asked amount us of for. sex in the Left Behind books, but whatever, it's cool. <laughs> Tim LaHaye is a godly man. Okay, let's go. Uh, hey, the the gym at Liberty University is named after him. Oh, really? That's fun. Yeah. The met the metrics and measurables. What metrics are you keeping an eye on as a pastor, and why is it helpful to you? Some things churches measure are measured because they are easy to measure, but don't really help. Some things. Oh, don't really help with much. The, the these these would be things like attendance and overall giving. <laughs> I think overall giving does help a lot, but they they're easy to track. But what story do they tell? Over, other things are incredibly important but difficult to quantify. These would be things like discipleship and growth. Right. These are is it? It's like a, a very popular question. Like, how do you measure discipleship? How do you keep a metric of that when it's really easy to measure? 
overall giving and attendance. I would I would I would preface before we start anywhere else. Attendance and overall giving is important. Like that's I, I don't know why why this is framed as it's not important. Um, you know, there's this classic uh, saying. I know it's probably only said by mega churches, but like I it's, I think it's really good. Uh, we count people because people count. And I think that's, like, it's important to know, like, attendance. Because if you're not keeping attendance and there is, like, variable, huge swings and variables, those people who aren't there are people that should be being discipled and should be cared for. So why are they there? Like, you, like we should be knowing who's coming to our churches and that. And overall giving, I, I, we talk about this in this podcast. I think Andrew has that classic line that says um, uh, every – Every uh, any person that's not giving is a any reason why they're not giving is a discipleship issue. Or did Jeff say that? Someone said that on this podcast, and I've always yep. remembered it. It was really good. Somebody. Um, <laughs> it was Del. Um, so, yep. so with that being said, uh, I when I when I when I look at this, the, even the giving conversation, it's like um, that is actually a small metric of your discipleship. Because if they're giving, that's a that's a step in their walk with Christ and a step in their in their maturity. So, don't overlook giving as just like the means in which you pay the bills of the church. It's like this is an aspect of a spiritual practice that should be giving us a small piece of a bigger puzzle of a person's discipleship. So, what are the metrics you guys measure? What's important? What's not important to you? I mean, the most important metric I keep in my church is how many people are listening to Andy Stanley sermons. That's really, 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 Valid. really important to me. No, I think uh, something important that I learned from some training I've been to in my denomination is uh, what some people call lead and lag measures, which are two different ways of looking at like information. Uh, I just pulled it up now. I don't remember all this. But uh, lag measures uh, indicate something that's happened already in the past, like it's something you've achieved. And a lead measure is something that is kind of like – it's almost like a goal. It's like uh, – it's a predictive measure – of what might happen in the future. So attendance and giving is a lag measure. It's something that's already happened. And I think that uh, distinction is helpful because he's really asking about, are there lead measures that you are tracking and how do you do that? Which is really difficult in our line of work. So I have with my elders, we have um, three core values that we talk about worship, community, and mission. We've defined those. We've defined what the word disciple means, which I think is a really important aspect of this what do you what do you mean among you and your leadership when you say the word disciple in your church because there's like a hundred ways you can answer that question and be right um so define that for yourself and then what we did is we just created a grid under each of those categories of worship community and mission in which we there are three uh ways that we talk about people moving towards those in their discipleship so uh in under each of those three there's three so that's a grid of nine and then we want to see people, for instance, under worship, we want to see people moving towards weekly gathering with the church, right? So that, that would be attendance. But the lead measure is we want to see people moving towards regular gathering with the church body as a form of worship or as an expression of worship. And then within those nine boxes, we also have uh, ways that we as leadership are creating environments where that movement can happen. So it's a way of keeping ourselves as leaders accountable as well. And so that's a difficult thing to track. So it requires myself and the elders like having conversations with that language and around that, which takes a long time and is really inefficient. But it also like creates an environment for us to 
grow together, for us to grow in our own discipleship together as leaders and keep each other accountable. So that's kind of what we did. We just created this grid where it's like, are people moving in this direction towards Jesus, towards becoming a disciple? Yeah, we don't track any of that. <laughs> we uh, we we keep a <laughs> most track pregnant of, pause um, in the history of this show. <laughs> uh, we were all looking like, who's going to say it? Uh, we we track overall attendance, and then we break attendance down to uh, kids and adults, and um, then we track giving. We track small group attendance, and so we track we attract uh, attract. I'm sorry, my children are being very loud. We track attendance and then we uh, track new people retention as well. Yeah. Then you can track year over year trends. Um, okay. How many That's good. Um, people, how many first time attenders that we have this year versus how many people showed up to our first timers class? Cause that's a pretty good ratio. You know, like if you got a lot of first timers coming and you've only got a, a short, a little bit amount of those actually coming to your interest meeting or whatever you call it at your church, that's a good place you want to try to close a gap because um, that means that there's some kind of back door open. People are not getting assimilated. Uh, another thing, uh, like I, I actually I've done the lead and lag stuff before and I actually think it's it's not too bad, uh, especially when you map it out. It's almost like making um, a roadmap to your lag goals. That's really what it is. But I find like those really work well if you pull in your elders or other people in accountability for them. Because it requires it requires pushing that flywheel a lot uh, to get those things rolling, uh, but yeah, I mean we track pretty much all the same same metrics you do. But I think what I love is when you find there's certain metrics that that are in certain churches that are not in others. Like for example, um, Jeff's church has an amazing cover dish, right? Uh, isn't that your church? Like you, yes, you have like the best of all of the us. Best. Like like. Maybe we know that people feel fully is fully a part of your church when they I mean bring we a don't have dish. cinnamon rolls like Andrew's <laughs> church, but I've heard about those. <laughs> I was gonna say we, but, I mean, we had new we had new people do all of the uh, hospitality on Sunday. It was awesome. They've been a part of our church yeah, for like five but, six weeks, and they so said, that's "Hey, we another got Sunday. It was awesome." How fast do people go from attending to serving? That's another great metric. Um, because that means that your helps team, that your onboarding stuff is really a, like it's efficient or it's lagging, right? Um, and then also another one is on how many, what percentage your people are turning in your connection card and what kind of information are you getting off of that? Um, because that's a, that is a great source of information. A lot of times, I don't know how it is in your church, but you know, a lot of churches, it's like you get the connection card. If somebody wants to maybe join, serve, or tell you to tuck your shirt in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, yeah. uh, but like if you could put some emphasis in that connection card and say, all right, for the next th three months, I'm going to create a lead goal. Or we're going to, we're going to push out. We want to see this connection card get healthy. And then on the end, check it and see if your percentages go up. But like I said, it's it's to your own context a lot. But if a lot of the little things where you're wanting people to interact, that's a place where you can measure. And it's not just like in the what do they call butts and bucks, you know. Well, I think um, this also oh, requires you have a pretty clear mission and vision, which is a lot of the work we do. A hundred as pastors, because if you don't have that, then you really don't know what you're even trying to measure for. Yeah, we we track. I mean, the same stuff you guys track. I, I was a little put off by the by the question when when they kind of just dismissed attendance and giving i we all I track see those. that as pretty ascent yeah like like we, we have to track those things how are how are you budgeting how are you planning for staff I, I don't know there's there's so much to be done that that you need 
whether you like the numbers, whether they're going in the right direction, I, I don't know, but you, you still need those things. I was talking to an area pastor a couple of years ago, and, you know, sometimes the, the topic of attendance will come up, and it came up, and I'd, I'd asked him, and he said, you know, I don't really know how many we have coming. We don't ever really count. And I was just like, that's a, that's kind of an odd thing to me. Not not to be like, wow, look how fast we're growing, but just to say, yeah, we've had this many people coming. It'd probably be nice to make sure we can adequately serve all the families that we have coming to the church. I, I think you can count, but not be um, uh, obsessed. Not be rude, obsessed. I was going to say a different word that wouldn't be appropriate for a podcast about it, but you know, just just don't be don't be that guy. Like, if your church is experiencing some something cool or some growth, you don't you don't have to be that guy about it. But I do think, uh, you know, tracking those things is vital. It helps when you have an elder who also loves stats. So we have an elder on our board who just. Every elder meeting, he, he's got the trends, he's got the year over year, he's got here's where we were five years ago, and he brings the pie charts and the, the graphs. It's it's a ton of fun. Like, that stuff can get, you know, you can get lost in stuff like that, but it does help when you're in the middle of ministry planning to see, okay, here's where we're at. So, for example, we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, how can we fit a few more chairs in the building? And, and he had the stats and said, look, if we are trying to keep this at a 70% capacity rule or 65%, whatever it is we're trying to do now post-COVID, here's here's the amount of chairs we have to put in here. Otherwise by December, we'll have to be at a third service. So the serious conversation right now at Lakeview is when or if is the third service coming for me as pastor and staff member, I'm like, can we, can we prolong this as long as humanly possible? So we're actually going to be cutting off about four and a half foot of our stage to add 80 more chairs. That'll buy us 18 months before we have to go to three services at the current growth rate. But again, without tracking those numbers, we would have no idea where where we would be on that kind of stuff. The the immeasurables that are more difficult to track, Jeff, you were right on, dude. I actually might like you need to you need to write some of those down for us and link them in the show notes because I'd like Seriously. to see some of that too. I'd like to do some of those exercises with with our elders. Uh, we we do have a big emphasis on membership. Nobody talked about membership, but that's that's one way we know that people are moving in the right direction if they want to join in the mission and vision of Lakeview Church is they are they're coming to membership class, they're signing up and saying, yeah, we want to be part of this. That's also where we talk about some of those things that are maybe more difficult to track and, and discipleship and the importance of that. We go over that stuff in membership because we want people in small groups, we want people serving, all of those things like you guys already said. So I would say for us, uh, membership would be one of those measurables yeah. that we have that we would like to see that number continuing to grow. You know, I'll offer this. Um, this is one of those areas where church hurt can make pastors react the wrong way. You know, um, if you've been in a church, I know a lot of people listening have, I have. You've been in a church that tracks attendance and money in an ungodly way. Um, your next post that you go to, you, you want to just stay away from it. Because you're like, man, I've seen what it did to leadership. I've seen how it manipulates people, how certain people only get on certain positions because they give a certain amount of money, how like the bottom line doesn't matter. It's just pragmatism for people. Um, and what happens is it makes our heart rightly become concerned about how that's being done, but we throw the baby out with the bath. So if you're listening and you have church hurt, I want you to know, like, first of all, I'm, I'm probably not the only one on this podcast who gets you on that. Um, but like, that's one of the things I have to get over because like Tim was just saying, our congregation, our congregation deserves that, um, because we cannot, 
properly care for our people space-wise, things like that, if we're not doing our due diligence. Now, there again, we're not saying you should know everyone's tithe. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that it is good to know. But you should where, know who's tithing. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, right. if if there's if there's a concern, yeah, th- there should be some kind of system in your church where you can know, because that's also a trend. If someone stops tithing, it could be because they're disgruntled, or maybe they just found out they have cancer, or that's happened before, and they're paying for chemo and not telling anybody, but they quit tithing. You know, um, the church I was at sent them a, a letter and said, "You cannot be a deacon anymore because you're not tithing." But what they should have did is they should have called him and said, hey, man, is everything okay? You know, and um, he would have told them. So all that to say, if you've been burned, like, don't don't let that misconstrue like the um, that we count. I mean, if you look at scripture, how many times does it throw out the number of people there? You know, so, I mean, there's there's some merit in that. There is a a stat that came out. I forgot where it was. I I probably should cite it. I'm going to quote it. But like. A set that said people who give regularly stop giving on average six months before they leave a church. Hmm. So if a person stops giving, so there were consistent givers and they stop giving, you typically have about a six-month runway before – and it's probably close to three months, but it's three to six-month runway before they're out of your church. So that's why it's actually important to, to – I'll, I'll share what we, what we do at our church, actually. So we have that – so uh, that data comes to us to, as campus pastors that someone who was regularly giving stopped giving a month or two ago. Um, and then what we are supposed to do is not reach out to them and be like, why did you stop giving? But just to be like, hey, uh, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? And by asking those questions, you often get a lot of answers as to why they stopped giving. Like they'll say, hey – um, you know, we we're going through a financial hardship. Um, my my mother had to move in with us. Like you'll hear like different things and be like, okay, this explains why they're not giving. Or they'll be like, hey, I'm actually glad you reached out to me. I want to talk to you because I'm having some issues with this. And then you know you can kind of understand what what's happening. So that data is actually it's an aspect of their discipleship and 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 you don't or, or and and even like an aspect of their pastoral care. I do think that discipleship, it, you can't perfectly measure discipleship, but you can measure if people are getting discipled. Does that make sense? And so, like, you should know who's in the Bible study, who's in a small group. So that means small groups and Bible studies need to be taking attendance, right? Um, you need to know who's serving and when they're serving. So that means to some degree, ministry leaders need to, to track if their volunteers are coming to serve. This is why planning center is really good if they can like check in and say they're there and, and block out stuff. Cause now I can go on planning center and look at stuff and be like, okay, um, this person has been here for the last four weeks because they've served in kids ministry the last four weeks. Right. You know, um, that data is really, really good. You know, g- there is aspects of giving data beyond how much they're giving. That's important. Whether they're regular givers or they stopped giving, um, membership is important to, to, to track if membership is important for your church. That's another thing. A lot of churches have low views of membership. And if you have a low view of membership, the membership is an irrelevant thing. What's really interesting, and this is not a secret, so I'm, I, I, I would love for him to come to this podcast. I've actually told him to, to, that I want to interview him, and it's my fault that we haven't had him. Um, there's a guy named Pastor Tommy in, in Tampa. He, he goes by the rapper named Urban D. He has a, a really popular church called Crossover Church in Tampa. 
and uh, he blew my mind. He has this, he, so he will admittedly say they have a low view of membership. They're like, their process into their church is like, if you go through their assimilation like class, which is like, you know, learn about the church, you're functionally a member of the church after that class. So they have like 85% membership. It's something like uh, big. But what they focus on, get this, this is like a really interesting thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to have him on, so I'm not misquoting him. They focus on people who commit to giving online, um, what's it called? Uh, um, uh, repeated giving, where they set it on their phone or their, you know, like um, recurring, uh, recurring giving. Yeah, recurring giving, and like they 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 do this thing in their church where they're like, okay, if you are doing recurring giving, then that's like a thing of like, not only are you giving, but you're saying like, I'm going to trust the Lord in my finances. That I'm going to commit to this from every paycheck, and I'm going to set it and like walk forward in that. And, and, and so in that, they do these things where, like, every year they get a shirt called Firestarter because if you're doing reoccurring giving, you are a fire starter in the church because you are setting a blaze. I, I don't, I don't want to use misuse their terminology. I, I so I can be, like, word. Christian 2.0 if I'm doing reoccurring giving? And if I set up, like, automatic bank draft, does that mean I'm, like, 3.0 Christian? I want to get to, like, that top tier of I'm going to go backwards. You're an elder. I will say, I will say I'm, I'm going to go backwards a bit because – like like church I, Patreon, where like if you if you do reoccurring giving, like you've entered in this tier. I, I will say like I, I I wrestle with some of the terminology maybe he uses, but like there is concepts. That he, all he's trying to do is help people move in their walk with Christ. And and Tim and Andrew and Jeff, you guys know where crossover is. Like that is a a hungry community that needs mm. to be discipled. And so the fact that they're getting people into that is actually a beautiful and money is thing a big marker of, of now, that. Now, do they have a yeah. system that hardcore yeah. and awesome devoted to something, not money that also tracks discipleship? I, I, I would argue they probably do. I just don't have, I know. I'm just asking most it. churches, they got this awesome, you know, you yeah, get yeah. early access the, to sermons if you pay money, but like what else, <laughs> what else, the, you know? I, I had a pastor that I served under that was like the exact opposite of that. Instead of like you know, and it was at kind of, it was a long time ago, so it was at the height of, or it was when all the online giving options were starting. But he would split his tithe um, instead of into you know one check every other week. We had three services, and he would split his tithe um, so that there was one check per service, so that he would set the example of giving. And I was like, dude, that I hate writing checks so much. That seems like so much work. But instead of, you know, tithing once or twice a month, he was tithing, you know, he was making sure that people in every service saw him writing a check at the, at the offering time. And that's wow. definitely one way to set an example and a way to make your wife mad. Cause you never have checks when you need them, but that's what he <laughs> <For> did. <laughs> well, we, uh, I, I think there's a lot of measurables that can be measured. And also, there are measurables in different ministries that need to yeah. be measured, right? Like, uh, year-to-date kids' attendance. Like, I mean, if you're not tracking the kids' ministry, because the same way how Tim is talking about, like, space in your sanctuary, you need to be tracking space in your kids. You might need to break up, you know, your elementary classes and to do different classes because you have way too many third graders and that needs to be bumped up to a different class. There's these different conversations that need to be had that are beyond just people in the sanctuary and 
um, how much is how much is being given. So I think this is a great conversation. We want to bring this back to the Facebook group. What are you measuring? What are you keeping track of? And what are quantifiable ways to measure discipleship? And I, and I will say this, and I'll take the last word because I'm 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 leading this podcast right now. Uh, I think the reason why yes, you can't quantify. I think the reason why we can't quantify discipleship is because it's not necessarily meant to be quantifiable because it's meant to be a life-on-life thing that is going to ebb and flow in seasons of life. And it's and it's not – if it was easily quantifiable, then, like, some church leadership guru would have figured it out. And I think the reason why it's not is because it's meant to be messier and, and embodied. And messy embodied things are not easy to put on a spreadsheet. So – with that being said, thank you so much for listening. Go to the Facebook, go to the Instagram, do all the things. Um, uh, we'll talk to you next week. I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Thanks for listening. Get I'm connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastor and I'm Facebook Timothy group, Miller. where we get to share ideas and make each other Bye. better. just keeps good times